This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. How many of you love Jesus today? You love him? It's great to be in church. You know, in the last service of the day, I'm excited because I got all the people that overslept in the first two services, and they showed up, and there'll be some that show up as I'm ending the sermon at the end of this service because they thought that this was a different time, <laughs> and uh, we went ahead and spring forward. I am thankful that we get to sleep in a little bit at 1130. You guys rock. This is like the time period that I would get up and go to church on a day like this. So welcome to church, and uh, I want to just say, hey, this has been a great series that we've been in called We Are Okay. If you haven't been here, you can catch it online or on our podcast or our on our website, you can go a whole bunch of different places for that. But I would just want to say, hey, it's been a great journey. We've been talking about the differences and distinctions in our relationships and the are we okay moments or there's tension here. What do we do about it? And, and uh, we've had an opportunity to look at it from various vantage points. We started off by saying, hey, listen, because we're loved by God, we have the capacity to love. In fact, I want you to say that out loud with me. If I'm loved, I have the capacity to love. Say it again. If I'm loved, I have the capacity to love. In other words, there's this sense that because I'm loved, I have the ability to work through even difficult relationships. And then week by week, we've been talking about various aspects of that with boundaries. And then last week, didn't Bishop do a great job as he talked about bringing down the fences and turning them into bridges? And uh, I thought it was just a great, great, great message this last week. And today, um, we're going to talk about uh, how to fight. We're going to talk about conflict resolution. In fact, the title of my message is How to Fight. And uh, to set it up, I did a little bit of research. I, one of the things that I did is I called up a counselor, a Christian counselor, that um, has helped so many people in the church world, that, uh, that has also dealt with individuals and families over this last year. And it's been a tense, tense year, a lot of stress going on, COVID and everything else. And uh, I wanted to kind of get his insight on what are people dealing with? I mean, real people, the people that come in and they drop their guard and they share what's going on. And uh, we did a Zoom interview that I want to share with you right now. So turn your attention to the screens as you get a little bit of a preview of the conversation I had with Dr. Tim Rudin. The craziness of 2020 rolling into 2021 has really brought a lot of uh, a lot of tension in uh, people and relationships. What are some of the the um, consequences of that tension that you see when clients come in or talk with you? They're just common things that that people deal with. It's a great question. Uh, a lot of times, uh, when people come in with um, that kind of tension or conflict, it's really chronic conflict. It's it's not something that just came up a week or two ago. It's something that, you know, I would consider it to be either like unresolved, long-standing conflict, or generally speaking, just sort of chronic conflict. Very often what I see for relationships is uh, they'll begin to avoid certain topics. Um, I'll ask, you know, how do you guys discuss finances? And the answer will be, we don't. Hmm. Oh, so why don't you? Well, every time this subject comes up, there's anger, there's uh, accusations or there's tears um, and it just never goes well. So our solution is to avoid it. Another thing that often happens is sort of the blame game. 
um, I'm in conflict over something. And so my first way to express it is to tell you what's wrong with you, to tell you what you've done wrong, to tell you where you think incorrectly. And, you know, typically that creates, oh, if you're going to tell me what I'm doing wrong, then I get to tell you what you're doing wrong. Hmm. And that usually ends up, you know, very frustrated with really nothing, nothing actually resolved. What do we do about it? What are the approaches you suggest that we, we take to resolve that? You know, one of the first things to think about is, you know, what, what is the cause of the stress or conflict versus what is the setting? And very often um, we have to first look at ourselves in terms of just internally. Let's just say that, you know, I have these values about myself. I'm going to be this way, this way, this way. But my actions are actually here. So my actions don't match what I claim my values to be. Sometimes in a newer relationship, one of my questions I like to ask is, have you had your first fight yet? <laughs> and often, you know, a younger couple or a newer couple will look at me like, well, no, we're, we're doing everything we can to avoid that. <laughs> and it's like, no, nah, that's not how it works. How mm -hmm. it works is you're different people mm -hmm. and you're going to have different values or opinions and how have you negotiated those differences yet? Mm. And uh, so the idea here is that conflict is pretty much normal in life. Mm. Um, you can look at pretty much every character in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and they dealt with conflict. They had mm. conflict happening. And so the question relationally becomes, how do we handle conflict well? What does healthy conflict look like? I think it really starts with, uh, we have to ask ourselves, what are our own beliefs about conflict? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we can carry beliefs that we don't even know we're carrying. Another thing that's fairly common is, well, if I have enough faith, then I won't have conflict. And if you really start thinking that again, when the conflict shows up, then you start to judge yourself. Well, my faith must be faulty in some way. Mm -hmm. So that would be the starting place is, you know, really honestly exploring um, how do you think of conflict? How do you consider it? And again, for some people, the idea is, well, if there's conflict, there's always a break in the relationship. Mm -hmm. When in reality, um, working through healthy conflict actually can make a relationship very, very strong. Conflict is normal. And the myth is, if I avoid conflict, my life is less conflicted. Mm -hmm. The reality is, if I avoid conflict, it builds up. And then sometimes I'll do things that are actually counter to, you know, my own values. I'll do things that are actually destructive to myself or to others. That's so good. And, uh, and I think there's hope when we actually take the time to self analyze ourselves and then look back at the people we love and desire to have better relationships in the long run, and then take those conflicts as an opportunity, like you said, uh, to grow closer together, not push ourselves apart. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Tim, for investing a bit in our church and uh, in so many people's lives. And uh, I'm grateful for uh, th the gift that you are uh, to so many as we attempt to, to overcome some of the challenges that we have. And there's hope because of people like you. You, you believe in people and we're grateful for that. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, that is, uh, you know, I'll do different interviews or have different videos and there's different levels of clapping. There's a little bit of a muted golf clap going on right now. 
simply because we're thinking about our own stories and our relationships and all that goes into that. But I want you to know that when it comes to conflict, it is normal, as Dr. Tim said. It's going to happen. It's going to happen regularly throughout a lifetime. And the question is, can we avoid it? Um, If we try to avoid it, there's a consequence in our story. And the consequence is what goes internal. And uh, science actually shows us now, and the studies show, that with stress and conflict that's internal and it's not dealt with, it actually has a physical impact on our bodies. It actually... Uh, fights against our immune system. It compromises our immune system. And people uh, deal with the depression and other things as well. So there's a deep, deep consequence if you don't deal with it. And uh, when it comes to the story that you have, I don't know everybody that's listening to me right now. I don't know everything about your life. But I do know this, that you have opportunity when you come to the Word of God. That uh, you don't have to just rely on what's happening out there or what you've seen in your own family story or relationships in the past, but you can have hope because of Jesus. You know, hurt people hurt people, but forgiven and healed people also can heal relationships. And the truth is, is that there's a different future for you if you listen to God and his way. And the whole Bible is set up to help us. This is why I talk about the Bible every single week. That's why we read from it, not just on Sunday, but I encourage you to do it every day of the week. Because if you do listen to the word of God, it will help you in your relationships. I'm going to look at one of those stories in the Bible today, in Genesis chapter 4, about conflict. It's the first massive conflict in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 4, if you open your Bibles up, you'll find it in there, whether it's your paper Bible or you're in the electronic version or you're in the Emmanuel MN app where we have the notes that you, you can follow along. And it's the story of Cain and Abel, all right? Here we go. Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. We'll go on here in just a moment. First, I want you to note a couple of things. One, Eve is the first mom. How many know moms have dreams for their kids? And uh, she didn't dream of what's about to happen next for her sons. But both of those sons were different from each other. Jody and I have four sons. All four of our boys are different from one another. And the reality is in humanity, we are all made to be different. When people get married, they're different from each other. Uh, Marriage is an eye-opener, right? Uh, It reveals more about yourself and each other and the differences. Those differences are kind of the breeding ground for conflict. And it was there all along. They had to learn how to work through things internally as they were growing up. But now they're adults. And as they're adults, they have different careers. Cain is, is taking care of the land. He's a farmer. And Abel is taking care of sheep and lambs. And he's a, he's a shepherd. And they have different careers. And then God gives them instructions. We don't know what they are about worship. But they give worship to God out of whatever whatever. Uh, career that they have. And so Cain, he gives something out of his, out of the ground as worship to God, and Abel gives one of his lambs. But the, the, the text says it was the very best. In other, in other words, Abel gave his very best. It doesn't say, say that about Cain. 
So we know that there was a distinction in what they gave to God. And then God blesses and receives the offering from Abel, and Cain is upset about it. He's both jealous of his brother, and he's angry with God. And I want you to notice in verse 6 that God noticed the anger in Cain's heart. He noticed the anger in Cain's heart. Look at verse 6. It says, why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? See, God always notices what is happening in your heart. And just because we avoid it or hide it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't notice it. And a jealousy has begun to grow in Cain's heart. He was thinking about it, stewing on it in his mind, and his rage was growing. And God warns Cain of a good way and a bad way to deal with conflict. He gives a good way and a bad way to deal with conflict. We'll deal with the good way in a few moments. But verse 7 says this, You will be accepted, God says, if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, do what's right or do what's wrong. And if you do what's wrong, it's going to cost you. And he says that sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. In other words, the sin that's already in Cain's heart is about to get bigger if he doesn't make a change. He says, God says, you must subdue it and be its master. What I love about this moment in time is that God is giving Cain an opportunity to change his future. That if he does what God says, he doesn't have to have the consequences of what's on the other side of the door. In other words, he's still giving him another chance. How many are thankful that God gave you another chance? All the times that you've messed up. That he gave you a different opportunity, okay, for the future. And that's why we talk about this, becoming a disciple of Jesus in growth track. We just, following Jesus means you're going to have a different future than you would have otherwise. And just because you were trained to fight a certain way or there's history behind you doesn't mean that you have to repeat it. You're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. But unfortunately, Cain ignored and avoided God's solution. Go on in verse number 8. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. And afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Wow. So what happened is he didn't follow what God had said. And that anger exploded into murder. And exploded on him. It, it, that conflict that was inside of him moved him outward, and then he kills his brother. And here's the coolest thing. That some of you feel like you're able in your story, that somebody is unjustly attacking you, and you think that you're overlooked and, overlooked and unnoticed, but God sees you. And God heard the cry of Abel's blood coming from the ground. That's the, the text way of telling a story. God saw it, and he heard Abel. And God notices you. God notices the forgotten, the abused, the hurting, and the trafficked. In fact, Jesus came to rescue all of those who experienced the pain of injustice. But let me ask you a question. 
What if Cain had listened to God? What if he would have done what was right with the conflict that was in his heart? What is, it, what is the right way to fight? Now, let me get at this the other way here, uh, a different way. Now, I, as a pastor, uh, do premarital counseling. There's many couples that I've married over the years. And each time that um, they'll come into my office, they got their best foot forward. They want to look good for their pastor, right? And so never fight. There's never anything wrong. Everything's perfect. We got our, we're in agreement about everything, even though I know that's not true, right? Even if it's only hidden in their heart, I know that there's things coming down the road. Because conflict is normal, and it actually can help a relationship if we acknowledge it and work through it. But when they start off, they're kind of burying it. They want to deny it. And so what things I'll do is I'll say, okay, I always have whiteboards in my office, and I'll just draw a simple circle, not a perfect circle, come on, and two circles on the board, and I'll say, you know, one of them is the guy, and one of them is the girl, or man or woman, or however you want to. Uh, you know, fiancés are here, okay? And what I'll ask is, okay, so they're trying to come together and, and form a marriage. So I'll show them this visual, and I'll say, now tell me about your families. How did your family fight? And, uh, and she'll say, maybe she'll say something like, oh, we yell, we scream at each other. My mom threw a frying pan across the kitchen once, it's like blow up city, and then it's like circular, and then we slam the door, and then everybody's happy. We didn't really talk through it. We just blew up. And then the guy might say something like, well, in my family, uh, we, we buried everything, and we, we didn't talk about anything, and, uh, and, and the expression of anger was wrong in our family, so you didn't talk about it. Now, those are just two kinds of family. There's all, all kinds of other family. Uh, in, in, my, in my family, for example, if, if there was tension in the family, my dad would sit us down in the living room, the whole family, and say, we're going to talk this thing out. How many know I did not want to be in that room, right? And uh, we're going to work through this thing together. Get it out right now, and then we'll move on, okay? Uh, some people had that in your families. Other people, uh, you talked about it uh, 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 to every other person in the family but the person you were mad at. Uh, there's a few chuckles in the room on that one. And then it would come out six months later, all like 50 things you got against them because it was all buried inside and it never came out. And then you explode on them and they're standing there going, what? Okay, so here's the deal. When it comes to resolution of, of tension and conflict in any relationship between a husband and wife, between parents and their kids, friends to, to friends, or colleague to colleague in the work world, we have to acknowledge, first of all, that, that we have a family of origin, a normal in our, in our past. So the way we've dealt with things, our normal is based on how we were raised, or based on what our normal was. So, so people can find a crazy peace in dysfunction, this is my normal. Then when we get into the relationship and there's tension rising up, the way we want to deal with the, and work through the conflict is our old way. And we don't like the way the other person does it. So there's a tug of war. No, I want to deal with it my way. No, I want to deal with it my way. And there's tension in those moments. And it comes up 
over and over and over. Some people are fight people and some people are flight people. How many of you are fighters? How many of you are flighters? <laughs> Get out of this situation as fast as you can. Avoiding it is what Cain did. And it's not a question of if you fight. It's a matter of how you fight. Because conflict is normal. It's going to happen, and you have to think about how you're going to do it in the future. So I want to give you six simple steps to fight the right way. Kind of a biblical way of looking at it. Six steps to fight the right way. Number one, hit pause. In other words, wait a second before you explode on somebody. Proverbs 17 says this, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> How many wish you had read that right before you exploded on somebody? And you're like, oh, shoot, I said things I regret now. It's really good. Before you react, overreact, blow up, or implode, stop. Everybody said stop. Call a timeout if you need to for yourself. Pull away. You might need to pull away for the moment. And give yourself room to make wise decisions. Never make a permanent decision in the middle of a crisis. But isn't it true that when you get in the middle of a conflict and the emotions are there, we escalate? And then we match the emotional level of the other person. So they're mad and they yell at us, so we get a little bit louder and yell back at them. Or they go silent treatment on us, so we try to out-silent treatment them. I mean, no, neither way works, right? So pump the brakes, baby. Take a pause, all right? Secondly, secondly, humble yourself. Humble yourself. The easiest way to do that is before God. Acknowledge that you don't like what you're feeling on the inside, including you might not like the other person. This is a really important moment to turn to God and allow him into your heart realm. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So you've paused. Now you need to own your own stuff, what's going on inside of you, not the other person. Now, if you're mad at the other person, you're ticked, they pushed your buttons, they've gone over or the edge or the line in your life, then you need to pause and just go, God, I'm really ticked at them. The psalmist essentially was able to say, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> and they give God access to whatever really is going on in the head and the heart. How many of you let God have access? He knows what to do with it including the final 10%, the full 100 with God, letting him see in there, okay? Then he says, search me and work through me. Where, what, what part do I have to play in this? Any of it? Is it all 100% the other person's fault? Or did I push their buttons a little bit too? That happens in families, doesn't it? We know how to push each other's buttons. So we have to learn to say, God, search me. Know what's going on and humble yourself instead of being the judge. Because when you're the judge, you're pointing the finger. 
you're, you're the, the prosecutor, you're the judge, and you're the jury, and you want to sentence them to eternal punishment. You're in trouble. Why? Because that's all going on in your own head and heart, and you're paying the price for it. All right? But you are not the judge. The Bible says that God will judge the living and the dead. That God will separate the sheep from the goats. That God will do those things. So what you have to learn to do is get out of the seat of the judge and let God step into that seat. So when you humble yourself, you're saying, God, I'm getting out of the seat of the judge. I am not the judge. In fact, repeat that after me. I am not the judge. Say it again. I am not the judge. See, when you say, I am not the judge, you give God the ability to step in and be the judge. Now, he's not going to hear your, your report and go, great news, thank you, I'm going to go kill them now. Why? Because God's already seeing what's going on. What, what you're doing now is you're inviting the ultimate person that brings reconciliation in into relationships. He alone knows how to handle both of you. He knows how to handle those things. To fight the right way, humble yourself. Third, determine what help you need. I don't know what to do. I'm prone to go do what I was always do, done in my family, what I was taught to do. I'm going to repeat the same thing over and over again. What's the definition of insanity? Repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? So what if I determined to find I need help from somewhere? There's help in the Word of God, but there are also people that are further down the tracks than you are. People have already gone through that. Maybe they're older spiritually or more mature. And say, how did you handle this with your spouse? How did you, how did you work through this with a coworker? How did you deal with this with your teenagers? How did you handle your parents? All of the various places of conflict, how did you deal with it? And when you find somebody else, listen, it helps you out. Proverbs says it this way. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Do I need wisdom from a spiritual leader? Preferably someone who can't be swayed into picking sides. And by the way, if I begin to go to people who are not seasoned, not mature, not authorities, and I instead go to my friends or my sisters or my brothers, and I want them to judge with me, I'm pushing God out of the wisdom part. And I've begun to share my gossip with somebody else. So just getting on the phone and calling your sister to talk about all the things you're mad about with your kid or your friends or whatever else isn't the kind of wisdom I'm talking about. No, you go to somebody and you say, I have things going on in my heart, and you work through this. How did you do it? And asking the honest questions. If I lack a skill, who can help me? To fight the right way, number four, set a time to deal with it. Set a time to deal with it. Not going to avoid it. We're going to deal with it. And Jesus gives one way to deal with conflict in Matthew chapter 18. When he says this, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now what Jesus says here is really serious stuff. 
but he essentially gives a pathway. You got an issue, go to the person. They won't respond, then go get another sister or brother in Christ, and then go together, because you care about them, all right? If they don't respond again, then you take it to leadership, authorities, and then they are the judge. They handle outside of you. You've done the right thing. If you put yourself in the position of judge, you're in trouble. So you do the right thing, you bring people along, if they don't respond, you're not responsible anymore. And I think that's a great pathway to walk. And you own it yourself. You set up a time period to do it. And by the way, when you get into what feels like confrontation, and those of you that love to hide and you're totally Minnesota, nice, passive, aggressive, come on. Uh, let's be honest, and this is the way you were trained to be. This is like a scary moment. But if you do the Bible way, and you own it, and you say, hey, listen, I've already prayed, and I've talked to the Lord. I paused. I've prayed and humbled myself before God. I've gotten some advice, and I'm following the Jesus way. Then when you talk with somebody, you're saying, hey, listen, I know my part in the story. This is the way I feel, what you're doing, this action that you did, or this conversation, or the words that you're using. They hurt my feelings, and I don't like how I feel. I feel hatred towards you, and I don't want to feel this way. You own it yourself instead of going, you lousy, no good, and going off on you, 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 you. You know, you use that kind of you language with people. What do people do? They get defensive. And now all of a sudden, you're not bringing reconciliation into the relationship. You're actually building a wall. You're building a fence like Bishop talked about last week. So instead, you go and do it God's way, set a time, and follow the biblical pattern. To fight the right way, number five, Frame the future. Frame the future. Faith, Hebrews 11:1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I'm going to go back to the premarital counseling uh, scenario, okay? So let's say uh, now they're no longer guy and girl. Now they've been married for a few years. And things are going on in their story uh, kids have come into the home now, one kid, then two kids, and then three kids, and then four kids. That was our story. And that just made life really busy, and it puts tension on the marriage, and it puts tension because we're running life to the edges, not getting enough sleep at night, whatever it may be. And we find ourselves caught up in the daily uh, um, tyranny of the urgent. What do you do about that? And this is what I'll do is I'll give, kind of give a visual. I'll erase. Oh, there's an eraser here. I could have used that instead of my hand. So what I'll do is I'll put a box that I'll call a picture frame, all right? We can make it nice, I suppose. All right, and I got a picture frame. Here's my question. Five years from now, what do you hope your relationship looks like? Let's get out of the tyranny of the urgent. Let's talk about our dreams for the future. What do you want to see your marriage look like? What do you want to see your, your parent-to-child relationship look like? When you're caught up in the moment, you're overreacting to everything. But if you get, can dream together, and then I'll ask the question from both of them. And she might say, well, we want to have one more kid. And he goes, no, I don't. You know, there might be disagreement about that. But at least you're, it's, it's not a problem in the moment. You might say, hey, I want to buy a house someday. Or between a parent and a teenager, you know, you're in five years, you'll already have graduated and maybe you're going off to college. I dream of you being independent, that you're actually going to thrive and you're going to launch well. 
And the parent can say that to their child. And the child can say, well, I want to I wanna still have a relationship with you, mom and dad. And I'm hoping you're paying for my cell phone bill five years from now. <laughs> or whatever it may be. You know, there can be fun stuff in that. My point is this. Get out of the moment and into faith. What do you dream of down the road? What could be and should be? What's your vision for us? Finally, the last right way to fight is number six. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Say that with me. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Say it again. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Turn to somebody, look them in the eyes and say, forgive, forgive, forgive. <laughs> in reality, what Cain was dealing with was unforgiveness. He had it in his head and his heart, and he refused to allow it out. You need to get that unforgiveness out of your heart. Jesus, when he came to there, he talked about forgive 70 times 7. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pastor Dwight, my predecessor, the former lead pastor here, used to say that he had somebody that bothered him in a relationship. He would pray for them. You know, the more you pray for people, the less room there is in your heart for unforgiveness. Because you're caring for them even though you're like, well, I can't forget it. I can't forget what they did. I can't forget the words that they spoke. I get you don't have to forget those things. I'm not saying it's a feeling that you're going to feel like forgiving. It's an action. It's a daily discipline. It's the capacity to say, I'm going to forgive today. I'm going to walk in the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm going to allow a different future for your story. I am not the judge. If you still have the anger in your heart, you say, God, I'm turning my anger over to you. Whatever you do judgment-wise in that person's life, that's up to you. I'm not the judge. I don't have room for unforgiveness in my heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, it's absolutely critical in conflict resolution is to walk in forgiveness. And as we bring this series to a close, let me ask a few questions. Are there any places of conflict in your story that you need to reject Cain's way? Where sin and pain are either going to hurt others or bury inside of you and become damaging to your immune system? I say to you, don't hide it. Determine to open up and trust God's way. Leave the results up to him. Hit pause. Humble yourself. Determine to get the help you need. Set a time to deal with it. Frame the future. Forgive, forgive, forgive. In my story, um, Jody, can you come on up here? Um, in Jody and I, this April, we'll be married 27 years. And... Uh, if there's a mic, you can bring it up. That would be cool. I don't know if we have one or not. Um, I think she was looking for a mic. That's one of the things I've picked up over time, what she means by actions. I'm like, she wants a I mic. Say I have a mic. Oh, it's on? coming on. I have to have a mic so I can give my side. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you that we will continue to grow and grow and grow, but we'll always have conflict. It just changes over time. 
we've developed skills of how to navigate our conflict. Um, 27 years of marriage, Jody might say it's been 20 of the great, greatest years of her life. Seven of those years, not, maybe not so much in between. We, so there's tension. The challenge of a follower of Jesus is to learn to take opposition and conflict and turn it into opportunity. And uh, one of the ways that Jody was able to do that with us is there are many years that she sacrificed a ton raising our boys while I was traveling, doing a master's degree and a doctorate. And uh, she never complained. She was loving and kind all the time. And, uh, but there was also the reality that I was oblivious to what she was really feeling. She might have said things, but I wasn't getting it. You understand what I'm saying? She would try to say it, and it just wouldn't get through. Or I would get defensive. You know, I give you the best for you, and I would factually tell her why she was wrong. And so she prayed about it. She humbled herself before the Lord. She went and sought help. And then uh, God had to write a, and the advice was to write a letter to me. And that letter that she wrote, she described in that letter things that she was feeling. You know the advantage of writing it out is you can erase things ahead of time. Work through it. Yeah, you can't do that when you say it. You can't yeah. erase things. So part of the process that I did uh, was writing the letter is I was able to tell him how much I care and how much I didn't marry. I told him I, I didn't marry you because of all the things, the great things that you could do. I married you because I love you and I want to spend time with you. And so it was out of love and concern and care for our relationship and for each other. And he was able to hear that. And um, it was, you know, I know you said in other services, like, it's really great that I did that, but it was great that you listened. And so um, God can work in our lives, and we can learn how to forgive. And some of you, like, the last point of the message was forgive, forgive, forgive. If you are in a place where you're feeling far away from God, really search your heart, because if you've got unforgiveness in your heart toward others, that's going to keep you from experiencing God in a whole different way. And so in our relationship, I had to make sure that I forgave. And when I forgave, everything in my walk with God completely changed. Like the presence of God, you can love God, but then you experience him in a whole different way. So powerful. I should have had her preach the whole message today. Um, the truth is that when she did give me that letter, that I had to do something with it. And I went before the Lord, and it was painful for me to read because I didn't want to hurt her, and I, I didn't want the impression to be that I didn't love you. And so I had to go, Lord, just like Psalm 139, search me, know me, take that stuff that's in me that shouldn't be there. And I had to respond. And I told Jody, I said, hey, listen, I've read it. It was tough to read. And I resisted the urge to say I'm going to change everything right now. Because the truth was, I had spent decades becoming who I was. It was going to take hard work in my partnership with the Lord to change. So I said, if you, you'll be patient with me, I'm going to get there, and I commit to changing over time. And, uh, and I asked her to forgive me, and she said... Yeah, I mean, basically, he was busy. So if you guys are going, what was this about? Yeah. He was just very busy. So. I was a busy person, yeah. You can come up with whatever scenario you want. We love each other, so we're in good shape. My point is, is that in a relationship when there was tension, we both had a responsibility. She, had the, she took the step of communicating to me, and I had the responsibility of responding. 
And because we both did, we grew stronger together. Does that make sense? Avoiding it did not make us closer. Bringing in it was painful, but the other side of it was so much better. And I believe that God can do that with you in all of your relationships as you trust God's way. Fight his way. Amen. Once you stand with me today. Thank you, Jody. Helps if I don't turn the mic off. I just turned the mic off for a second. Uh, today, I just believe that God can do a miracle internally in all of our lives if we trust him. And we don't leave it inside. Like God spoke to Cain and he said, listen, if you do what's right, it'll go well for you. If you don't, sin is crouching at the door. There's a negative outcome. And uh, that includes what's going on in your head and your heart. And the first step is stopping, pausing, and humbling yourself before God. And we're going to sing together in just a moment how we need the Lord and his help. But I want to pray over you and your relationships before we sing and ask God to do what only he can do. In fact, can you just put your hands like this where you're just saying, God, I'm opening up to you and your way. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, look at each person's story. Lord, you were there when they were in their mother's womb. You were forming and shaping each individual. Lord, we've gone through a lot of experiences, a lot of things that we love to forget. Lord, our relationship with our parents, what we saw and how they fought. Lord, what we experienced in, in trying to, to communicate our needs and, and the things the enemy meant for evil. I pray, God, you would turn to good. Lord, that you would teach us new ways, new pathways, Lord, of resolving conflict, that we would follow your way. Lord, we declare right now, Lord, those things that are in our head and our heart, we open them up to you. And Lord, we say, I'm not the judge. I turn this over to you. Even the stuff, I can't judge myself. The things I'm embarrassed about, the things I'm angry about, the gap between where I want to be and where I am, I even turn that over to you, oh God. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would flow through each and every heart and life and every relationship. I pray, God, that Lord, you would come in there where, where the devil has been wrecking havoc on marriages and Lord you would silence the mouth of the enemy and Lord that you would lose Lord healing and forgiveness and reconciliation in marriages I pray Lord restore people's lives and hearts and their relationships with family members parents to kids and kids to parents I pray it would happen neighbor to neighbor Lord in the workplace oh God where we Lord lean into your way and as we do I pray God let your kingdom come let your will be done on on earth as it is in heaven. Give us a new vision for what's possible in the future. Drop a new dream in our hearts, Lord, instead of holding on to the old. And Lord, going down uh, bad pathways, Lord, and being filled with rage or hurt or disappointment or depression. I pray, help us to set our minds on things above, oh God. Lord, your way, your will, we pray. Lord, we really need you. We need you. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.